Hey everyone, this is Isaac Maddox, and I'm the pastor of Activate Church, and this is our podcast. Remember, you can subscribe to our podcast and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram. I hope this message blesses you, encourages you, builds your faith, and I hope you enjoy the message. at this series, people are absolutely everything, but not from a motivational, come on guys, let's love people more, come on, come on, come on. The gospel is not a come on message, okay? Just for the record. There's nothing wrong with do better, be smarter, be faster, be stronger, amen, be less lazy. There's nothing wrong with that. It's just not the gospel, okay? That's like an old preacher thing. I just did that. I found myself. Can I get a? Can I get an amen? amen. Um, <laughs> I don't. I don't usually do that. So, we're looking at this from a Jesus perspective, from a Bible perspective, from a gospel perspective, and uh, I, I got a little crazy at the end of first service. I was really going for it, really praying, so I, I lost my voice a little bit. So we'll um, try to tame it down. But um, <clears throat> as I've been looking at this portion of scripture. Um, it, it, is, it is apparent to me that we are truly preparing for Easter. The crazy thing about church is sometimes we just, we just get used to doing church and coming to church and we forget that this is an organic, gluten-free meeting that has never happened before. And, and this is not an informational exchange. This is a moment where we, we talk about Jesus and we sing about Jesus and we hang out with Jesus and we actually receive from Jesus. And he, he is allowed, hopefully, to do what he wants to do in our lives. And so, anyways, this, this can kind of lead towards me <clears throat> maybe praying a little bit, getting a little crazy at the end. I, maybe you don't know what that means. I don't know what that means. I just feel crazy when I yell and pray. But I want you to know that it's, it's, it's real and it's a moment of faith. And just from right now or to the end of service... Um, we might go a little long today, so an uh, hour, hour and a half, so just sit back, and I'm kidding, 12.30, 12.30, um, but uh, just, just receive, this, was, this is kind of a message of just receive uh, Jesus and what he wants to do and what he wants to give, um, amen? So get your coffee, get your Bibles, however you get your Bible, phone, tablet, an old school book, that's how I prefer to get my Bible, um, those of us who really love Jesus, amen. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Making sure everyone's awake. We're kind of kidding. Okay. Um, Luke chapter 7, verse 36. Luke chapter 7, 36. I'm a little bit behind. I'm going to cruise through this a little bit. If you haven't ever read this, read it. If you've been here every Sunday, we've read it about five or six times. Um, it's just packed full of stuff. Keep reading it. Just kind of sit in it for a little bit and... Um, all right, verse 36. It says, When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. And so she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Now, read this as we read this. Um, look at this as if it really happened, Okay. Not from a spiritual church perspective, but from a dinner perspective. The last dinner party you had, a Friday night 
uh, dinner party. This, this is happening um, in this man's house who has invited Jesus into his house. This, this woman comes uninvited. I'm flipping pages. Woman comes uninvited, and, and the story actually happened, and I think the details are important because it paints a picture of you and me. We are the Pharisee. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, I think that key word, they say it again, the Pharisee who had invited, the person who is properly, more importantly, receiving Jesus into their life. The person who has invited Jesus, the person who has said, Jesus, come into my life. This other person is uninvited. Okay, just key details that matter. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, the person who seems to care a little bit more and is going about this Jesus thing a little bit more properly said to himself, didn't say anything, he only thought to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who was touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. How you view yourself determines how you view people. Okay, so this is, this is what we're talking about this morning. How you view yourself is actually how you end up viewing people. So he's saying, man, this woman is a sinner. Jesus answered him and said, Simon, I have something to tell you. And Simon says, tell me, teacher. Two people owed money to a certain money lender. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of them both. Now, which of them will love him more? Now, this man has the right answer. So, we need more than having the right answer. The Bible even says the demons and, and, and Satan, they know a lot about God. So this is going beyond information. This is going beyond you knowing or I knowing the right answer to a question about Christianity. This is, this is Jesus now stepping into our lives, getting personal. Just, just you and me. Just you and me. No matter how far down the road you think you are, just you and me. Get your eyes off the other person, just, just, just you and me. Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt. Jesus said, you got the right answer, man. Now let's go beyond having the right answer and let's get personal. He turned towards the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your house and you did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven, little loves little. Now, this is a phrase that has changed my life. Whoever has been forgiven, that is me. That's as much as it pertains to me and Jesus. So my relationship with me and Jesus loves little. My relationship with Jesus and me and Jesus determines how I love you. What's going on between me and Jesus is going gonna, is gonna to determine a lot between what goes on between me and you. And what goes on between me and you is determined upon what goes on between me and Jesus. Therefore, this series, People Are Everything, here it comes. There it is. There it is. People are every, This is determined upon me and Jesus. Me and Jesus, 
what me and Jesus got going on is going to determine how that happens, when that happens, why that happens, and if that happens. My little love or my lot of love is determined upon my little forgiveness or my much forgiveness. I'm going to stop walking around with the Bible right there. Romans chapter 5, one more, one more verse. Romans chapter 5, verse 6. You can write this down. I'm just going to read it because of time. It says, you see, at just the right time, so God said, oh, there could not be a better perfect. Oh, this is perfect. This is, this is perfect. There could not be a better time to demonstrate what I want to do because the people that I'm trying to save can do nothing can do nothing, and they actually don't even want it. This is perfect. This is perfect. Just the right time, while we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we could do nothing, he did everything. While we could do Nothing, zero, zero. He did everything. Again, there's nothing wrong with going after life. You want to be a smarter, better person? Awesome. Self-help yourself till the last breath of your life. I don't have a problem with that. It's just, it's not the gospel. And that kind of thinking has snuck into the gospel. And so now we have this like hybrid gospel. And as much as I hate, Toyota Priuses, I mean, love Toyota Priuses. Um, the gospel is not a hybrid. And so let's talk about what Jesus is trying to say here. And I think it's, I think it's life-changing. Forgiveness is love. Forgiveness is love. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for church. God, that we could be together. Lord, with each other, just reminding us that we don't, we're not called to live on an island, even though society and this, this, this time that we live in seems to be more independent. My whole world can come to me through my phone and through Netflix, and I can just stay at home and live a world and live a life. But God, we pray that, 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 that community and church and connectedness and relationships, God, would just flourish and foster in this place. God, let us, let us not do life alone, but let us step into each other's worlds. Lord, step into this community and step into this city and ultimately even the nations of the world, God, that you would use us to lift up the name of Jesus. We thank you so much for loving us, causing us to love you, and loving each other. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now, <clears throat> I'm not the most gullible person in the world, but I'm pretty gullible. And, um, Brittany is the best. If you don't know Brittany, no, no, she's my encourager. I'm getting no amens. I look over and she's like, amen. I love it. I love it. Um, don't change. I'm, I'm pretty gullible. And so when infomercials come on um, late at night, I should know better. I really should. I mean, I understand. We could probably have a conversation. You could sit here and counsel me and, and minister healing into my life and say, Isaac, just don't. Just don't. Look for the phone. And don't believe what you see, okay? They're going to make it look real good, but it is a lie. Don't believe it. And you, we could have that conversation multiple times, but still, it's a vulnerable moment, 2 in the morning. And um, if you've been there, you understand when they're swinging these golf clubs that you've never heard of. Um, 
and they're swinging them, and they put little, I guess, chunks of diamond on them or whatever. And all these different guys are, like, swinging, like, differently. And the ball just goes straight every single time. I know that that doesn't happen in real life. But still, at 2 in the morning, I'm like, I need that club. <laughs> I mean, I know I don't believe that club. I mean, this guy is, like, trying to slice it. And it's like, actually, he's trying to slice it. And it's going straight, you know. And I'm like, that is, that is impossible, but I believe it. And so... The question isn't, you know, if I'm going to buy, it's how many of those clubs am I going to buy. And, um, I mean, if you've been there, the Ginsu knife, it's incredible. I mean, I don't, you know, I don't believe it, but, but I'm watching this knife cut through a tomato, and then, and then it cuts right through a pop can, and you're just like, that's awesome. That's awesome. I don't care who you are, but that's good TV right there. That, I need some Ginsu knives. And uh, I was talking with Shannon. Who, uh, who trained our dog, and she's amazing, and we were talking this week, and just about the ab ripper, and it's like, like, do I believe that if I strap, you know, electrician, electricity to my stomach, and just get zapped, that I'm going to zap my way to a six-pack, like, no, but I may or may not have bought one, you know what I mean, and believe that possibly in a moment of vulnerability, that, well, it could help. I mean, when you see these, like, just ripped people walking around, you know, and, I mean, obviously, they did a lot more than strap on the, you know, the ab ripper. They're watching TV, and it's just, like, chiseled abs. There's a part of me that's, like, it can't hurt, you know. I want to buy one. I want to buy one. And one night, there was this thing that came on the TV. It was called Fat Whacker. And I kid you not, I don't know if anyone else has seen Fat Whacker, but that name alone should have caused me to turn off the TV, right? Fat whacker. It's like, come on. But I didn't. And I would love to be in that marketing meeting, you know, and they're like, we want to call your diet pill fat whacker, you know? And, and some CEO is like, hmm, that's good. Let's call it fat whacker. <laughs> fat whacker. And they had like this little song, you know, whack, 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 fat whacker. And I'm watching fat whacker, and supposedly, like, you can eat Big Macs all day long, but fat whacker whacks all the fat out of a Big Mac. And so you only absorb the nutrients of a Big Mac, which, I mean, there's really probably not a lot. But somehow it, it just eliminates all the fat. It whacks it out. Now, for the record, I, want you, I did not order Fat Whacker. Come on. I'm not an idiot, okay? But everything else, I'm guilty of. But when you see these, like, you, you, you come to a place in your life, or some of us are working on coming to this place, where you get older and you realize that all this stuff... It, it, it's just a shortcut. It's a gimmick. It's a scheme. There's, there's, no, there's no shortcuts to life. There might be some tips. There might be some keys. But the older you get, you start to figure out there's no magic diet pill. And if there is, it's probably going to kill you. But that just causes you to be in shape. I mean, when you just start to live life a little bit, you go, I need to change my diet, and I probably need to live a more active lifestyle. Um, when it comes to finances, not, there's no get-rich-quick thing, um, there is, I need to find something I want to do with my life, work hard at it, save, spend less. It's kind of a, you know what? There's no shortcuts to life. There's hard work, and, 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 and if you do it, it will eventually, you'll have the life you want to have. And so when we look at Christianity, and we say words like grace, mercy, and we say that they're free, because the Bible says they're free. There's a part of us that, and be honest, 
even maybe you've come to this church or you've gone to other churches, but you kind of you kind of you kind of hear maybe for the first time this 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 gospel, this grace message, which is the gospel. But still, when you hear a lot of grace, 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 love, 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 mercy, grace, mercy, love, let's be honest, you kind of kind of go, let's be a little careful. Let's be a little careful. Because just like in life, when you mature and you're a seasoned Christian, like some of us, right? We've, we've, uh, we've prayed a lot of prayers, you know, done a lot of church services. Um, stick around a while, you know. This isn't the first fad to come through. And we know that just as in life, as in with Christianity, it takes hard work. There's no shortcuts. So when we hear grace, grace is free. You die, it's just it's free. There's a little bit of us that's like, ah, let's be careful. Because we don't want to sell Ginsu knives and ab rippers and fat whacker to people and just set them up for a shortcut that does not exist. And so we need to tell people, hey, yes, you can take that diet pill called grace, and it's awesome. Listen, listen, it's free and, <laughs> you know, all that kind of stuff. But um, in reality, in reality, you, you got you to pray. You got to let God. You need, you need some sin. There's some discipline. There's some, there's, some, there's some things in life that need to happen. And, and all of a sudden, when we hear grace and we hear mercy, we start to hear infomercial we start to hear a shortcut we start to hear free we start to hear too good to be true ab ripper is too good to be true it it's just too good to be true the problem is when we first encounter grace and we first encounter this gift called jesus we don't maybe really understand what we're talking about because in many ways, we, we hear grace and we hear too good to be true, shortcut, let's talk about reality. And so Christianity takes on this, this well, I need to really figure some things out because that's what real life is. And we forget that grace is not a shortcut. Mercy is not a get-rich-quick scheme in Christianity. Love is not some sort of loophole to a hard-fought Christian walk. What we forget is that, that a lot of work went into grace, but Jesus is not asking you to pay it. He's asking you to believe that he already did the hard work for it. So when people first encounter grace, they're like, be careful. Is that a grace church? You mean, you mean a Jesus church? Because you hear it, and you hear Abra Ripper, Fat Whacker. It's like, you got to be careful. Don't set people up for this free grace and free mercy. Excuse me, but it wasn't free. Have you read the Old Testament? Have you read about a God that put a plan in place that, that went right into action over the course of thousands of years to redeem Adam on through Noah, raising up kings and prophets and judges and covenants and delivering countless generations to bring about a plan over the course of hundreds and thousands of years with multiple kings and prophets and judges to eventually send himself on the cross to die for you and me and bleed and declare, it is finished, it's it's not a scheme. Yeah. 
He worked very hard. He put a plan in place that he bled for. And so when we hear grace, we ought to hear the story of our God. The story of a God who loved us so much that he painstakingly planned and predestined, preordained. He took his time. He took his time. He loved his people throughout each covenant. If you read through the Old Testament, throughout the journey, throughout delivering his people, brought them through the wilderness. Generation wouldn't believe and they died and yet he rose up another generation to possess the promised land. He rose up kings like David and judges and prophets fulfilling covenant and starting a new covenant, fulfilling a covenant, starting a new covenant to ultimately where the Son of God left heaven, came to earth, walked amongst us, 100% God and 100% man. For 30 years he did nothing except build chairs, hang around and do a normal life until one day he came to the River Jordan. John the Baptist, his cousin, pointed him out and, and then his ministry began for three years, healing the sick and forgiving people's sins, culminating in the moment where he took took up the cross and he he was nailed to the cross and he bled and he was murdered on behalf and he declared it is finished not just declaring the end of ceremonial law but declaring the end of a plan that was painstakingly set forth over thousands of years declaring my hard work is finished and he closed out he closed out a chapter that literally spanned the course of thousands of years and and at the same time declaring a dispensation of grace, a time period of grace, a time period of mercy, a time period of love and compassion, saying, you don't need to do it. I'm not asked you to do it. If you want to do some things, fine. Call it self-help, but don't call it the finished work of Jesus Christ because this is my work. This is my work. I handcrafted this work. I came up with this plan myself, and I sealed the deal with my own blood. I, 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 I went to work on your behalf, and not out of manipulation or guilt. I did it because I love you. I did it because I love you. And you need to know I declare from the cross the moment of closing out the work he opened up another work called grace. And it's, it's the, the finished work in saying, I've done some things for you that you're going to spend your life looking into. And you're going to take your life to receive. But if you could believe, if you could believe in this crazy story of a God who made you and then redeemed you and gave you free choice, figure that one out. And he's going to preordain and be sovereign amidst this moment of free choice where we choose sin. And somehow there's an algorithm in God's head that can figure out right up to the point where he can predestine and pour out into your life. But he can't choose for you. He will not manipulate you or guilt you or shame you into receiving. But it will only take faith that can receive what he's done. And he said, I've I've, I've went to work for you. So when you hear grace... Let the work, let the finished work of God through Jesus love for you. Demonstrating for you how much he loves you. When you hear mercy 
think of Jesus. When you hear love, think of Jesus. When you hear grace, think of Jesus. So when I, people say, when I hear people say, you got to be careful with grace, I hear you got to be careful with what Jesus did for you. And I have to say, I, I, I don't know. That's my only hope. That's my only hope is grace. My only hope is the cross. My only hope is his mercy. My only hope is his love. There's no hope in me. There's no hope in you. There's hope in Jesus. And there's hope in the cross. And there's hope in the greatest story ever told that's more than a story, but it can go from a story and cross into reality only through faith. And Jesus is constantly inviting us through grace. Come and receive what I've done. Come and receive what I've prepared. Come and receive what I've worked for. Come and receive the things that I, that I have for you. Come and receive. Come and receive. So when we pull out of that mindset and go, well, you know, we just got to be careful with the grace and the mercy and the love, and we need to do some things, it's actually counter what Jesus is doing. Because Jesus is actually saying, you actually don't believe then what I've done for you. Because if you understood what I've done for you, you wouldn't run off and start doing what I've already done because only idiots do that. And you don't see then what I've done for you. You don't actually believe. Do you believe that grace is sufficient? Do you believe that mercy is new every morning? Do you believe his love never fails? Do you believe he has a future for you? Do you believe he paid your debt? Your, forg- your, your sins are forgiven? He's taken your guilt and shame? If you don't, then maybe we haven't received and understand what Jesus did for us on that cross. I feel like every Sunday is becoming Easter for me. I used to think it was once a year, a message where a preacher would get like his quivering lip. I don't like preachers that cry because I think it's manipulation sometimes. But I can't help myself when I keep coming back to the cross where I went away from the cross and tried to do my own thing. And figure out my own thing when Jesus said, I have finished and prepared all that you need. If you put your faith in me, you would be able to receive what I've done. But if you don't see what I've done, you won't have the faith to believe it and receive it. And you'll run off into religion and works, reduplicating the Old Testament, except with different commands and principles. So instead of killing bulls, we pray. Prayer becomes my access to God. When God said, just because you do that or don't do that doesn't mean you can receive what I have. You receive what I have through faith. And you just receive it and believe it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it in your life. Christianity is not Jesus asking us to do something. He's asking us, would you allow me to give you what I have done and what I have prepared and what I have finished? You can imagine a father preparing a birthday party and gifts and, and just saying, You wouldn't believe the party I want to throw you. You wouldn't believe the things I have planned for you. It's not going to make sense, but would you trust me? Would you allow me to do what I want to do, what only I can do in your life? And at that point, we say, okay. But see, this all starts with how we view Jesus. This story is a story of a man who viewed Jesus a certain way. It all starts with how we view Jesus. If we don't view Jesus as able to do everything that I can't do, then I won't receive what he wants to do and only can do. If I view view Jesus as kind of sufficient, then I need to go to work. And if I need to go to work, 
how I view myself determines how I view you. See, this Pharisee viewed this woman as a sinner because he viewed himself as a saint. So Jesus is trying to get us to think how you view yourself determines how you view people. See, what you think is a people person, <laughs> a people person, is a <laughs> as a people issue. So I'm having my own moment up here. A person issue, a people issue, a marriage issue, a church issue, a city of Portland has just gone crazy issue is not a people person issue. It's a you issue. Jesus is saying the way you view yourself determines the way you view people. If you're forgiven much, you'll love much. If you love little, we got to look at you. So Jesus is trying to get our eyes off this sinful woman. Trying to get the eyes of the Pharisee off the sinful and onto himself. Because it comes back to you and how you view Jesus. And what he's done for you. It's either the finished work, finished work, or it's not. And if it's unfinished, then I need to go to work. I feel like in many ways, we, I haven't even preached the gospel my whole life. Trying to get young people to pray and young people to do and motivate and motivate and motivate. Then after high school, they, they run off. And then college age ministry, we've got to get them back. And then they get married and they kind of go off. And we've got to get them back. And I'm not trying to explain necessarily everyone's personal journey. But I'm saying it's not my journey. I am not a motivational speaker. I'm here to reveal Jesus because in my own life I'm realizing how I view people is determined how I view myself and how I view myself is based on how I view Jesus. And I'm starting to see Jesus in the Bible like I've never seen Jesus in the Bible. He is constantly trying to get to the point of saying, would you believe? Would you believe? Would you believe? Would you trust? Would you trust? Would you let me do? Would you let me do it? 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 Would you let me come in? Open your heart and faith. Would you let me? And when you start to view Jesus that way, it changes the way we view ourselves. And when I am now a recipient only of his healing, when I'm a recipient now of his words and his life and his forgiveness and his future and and my debt being paid, when I am now the recipient of this grace that is sufficient and a love that never fails, now when I view myself as being full from a God who is so good, I now view people as out of my surplus and out of my resource I want to give to you. How I view Jesus determines how I view myself. And how I view myself determines how I view people. And Jesus is saying, I'm trying to save you from yourself. (laughs) I know your husband and wife is a little bit crazy. Okay, that's standard. But that's not your problem. I want to deal with you. And here's the deal. It's not out of condemnation. It's not like some, some of our parenting skills here or what our parents did. It, it, it's not to necessarily spank us, okay? It's not necessarily to discipline us. But that's what we hear, don't you? Hey, hey, quit looking at them. Come on. When you point your finger, three pointing right back at you, okay? Oh, it's true. Oh, 
Got me, Jesus. Guilty. See, our Father in heaven is a good Father. The best of fathers. He's saying, no, 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 I'm trying to reveal something in your life so I can heal you. See, he's not trying to hurt us. He's trying to say, no, no, I'm trying to get you to see something so I can heal it. Because you're walking in deception. And the thing about deception is it stinks because it's deceiving and you don't know you're in it until you're not. And so I'm trying to save you from yourself. You're actually self-destructive. You're actually sabotaging your relationships. You're actually sabotaging your life. And I'm trying to get you to say, is there a little bit of love in your life? Just be honest. Is there a little bit of love? Do you find it hard to love? Jesus isn't trying to put you in a timeout. He's trying to reveal and heal. He's trying to reveal and heal. Do you find it hard to love God? Do you find it hard to love people? I mean, a love that flows easy. I mean, do you just want to get along with God and just love Him? Are you just mad when the worship service is over? Do you just want to go home and just spend time in His presence? Do you love Him? Do you just, just look? Because love loves to love. Love easily flows. Love is just like a river. Woo! It just, it just goes. It just loves. Do you find it easy to love people? Does love just go? Or are you irritated by people? Do you find it hard to love people? Because love doesn't act that way. Love is generous. Love keeps no records. Love is kind. Love rejoices in the truth. Love loves to love. And Jesus is revealing, if that's not flowing out of your life, there's something missing in your life. And it's okay. It's okay. Because I want to give you what's missing. But you got to know it's missing. Or else you're going to blame everyone in your life for not giving you what's missing. And I want to save you from that right now. Because I want to heal. And then something is going to flow out of your life. Jesus is saying, if there's a little bit of love, you've been forgiven little. What does that mean? What does it mean to be forgiven little? It means our concept, our worldview of our lives is that we have not been given a lot. So Jesus is saying, you are living your life, if love comes out of your life little, and you start to judge people and critique people, and you find it difficult to love the unlovable. See, love loves loving the unlovable. Jesus is saying, if, if, if love is having a difficult time pouring out of your life, you are living in a forgiven little mindset. You are, you are walking with a worldview that you have not been given much. See, Jesus is revealing the mindset that we have, and maybe we don't even know it, that we've been ripped off, that life has let me down. Maybe starting with our upbringing. Maybe when we were little, we just, our parents and our families and you know, our entire lives, is, we've just been, we've, we've not been given the things that other people have given, been given. And so we feel like we've been ripped off, people have taken from us, We've been abused, maybe family, church, school, teachers, pastors. They've taken, and, 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 and I'm walking in a deficit when it comes to my life. And things never work out for me. They work out for everybody else, but for me, I feel like life only takes. See, Jesus is identifying through love If this is you, and again, he's not trying to discipline us. He's trying to heal us, saying if love flows out of your life in 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 just a little bit 
of a measure, you got to come back and allow me to give you what you never got. Because you are walking in a deficit. You are walking in debt. You are walking with a ripped off mentality. You are walking in a people owe me perspective. I never got what I should have got. Everyone else grew up in better families, better churches, better backgrounds, better schooling, better education, more money. And so I feel like I have been ripped off. And Jesus is saying, if you walk in a ripped off mentality, it is going to be impossible for you to love people. So Jesus says, you got to come back and I need to give you. I need to forgive you. I need to give you what I, what, I, what I finished at the cross. Let me give you the forgiveness of sins. Let me, let me take care of that past. Let me heal you. This isn't a shortcut. This isn't an infomercial. This is the powerful work of the finished work of Jesus Christ. Let me give it to you. It's not just a prayer. It's not a moment. It's a lifestyle. Let me just wash into your past. Let me heal some things. Let me forgive some things. Let me, let me erase some memories. Let me, let me speak to you. Let my words come to you afresh. Let my presence begin to pour out upon you. Let my love begin to invade you like it never has, like a river. You're going to be caught up in my love. My mercy is going to become new. It's going to become real. It's going to become effective. Let me give you the future that I have for you. I, I put some thoughts down on paper. Let me give them to you. Let me put my hand upon you. And all of a sudden, when you start to view Jesus as this person who has given you so much you start to feel rich you start to feel favored you start to feel blessed you start to feel loved you start to feel taken care of you start to feel like you're God's favorite that he didn't just die for everybody but he specifically died for you he he gave you his life and his love and he loves you and you all of a sudden you come out of a people owe me and life owes me and the church owes me and my husband owes me and people owe me and and people and you start to feel blessed you start to feel rich you start to feel taken care of you start to feel hooked up you start to feel like, yeah God kind of likes me I'm kind of a big deal in his mind he kind of went to the cross for me yeah it's pretty cool didn't just die for me he died as me it was as if I was up there He said, it's finished, son. It's finished, daughter. I love you. I forgave you. And Jesus is saying, if you receive what I have for you, if you receive what I want to give you, from forgiveness through grace and mercy and love and a future and the erasing of your past and the healing of depression and fear and anxiety, not just one prayer, but a continuous lifestyle of relationship through love. If you receive what I want to give you, you are going to have a filled up mentality and love is going to naturally flow out of that. Automatically. If you receive what I want to give you, Love naturally flows. Forgiven much, love much. Little forgiveness, little love. Why? Because I will not love you if I was not loved. It's the law of nature. I will not give you a sufficient grace if grace has not been sufficient for me. Whatever I possess is what I'll pass on. If I was not loved freely, 
unconditionally, I will not love you unconditionally. I will love you conditionally if I feel I was loved conditionally. But Jesus is saying that's not how the kingdom of God works. I loved you unconditionally. I want you to possess an unconditional love and a sufficient grace and a mercy that is new every morning. That's what I want to give you. And when you receive much forgiveness, you will love much. It's an automatic thing. When you receive what I have for you, you will love much. I will not carry your burdens if I had to carry mine. That's people or everything. Jesus is saying you need to start carrying the burdens in your marriage. You need to start carrying the burdens in your friendship. Stop blaming that person. Start carrying burdens. We start carrying burdens of people in this church. They carry burdens of people in this city. But see, we cannot carry each other's burdens. I will not carry your burden if I feel like I had to work very hard at carrying my own burdens. And Jesus said, if you can't carry someone's burdens, then you haven't received my ability to carry yours. You don't need to carry your past. You don't need to carry your future. You don't need to carry your finances. You don't need to carry your sin. Let me carry them for you. Let me carry your past and your, and your future and your sins and your anxiety. Let me carry them. And once you start to feel that Jesus is carrying your burdens, when you see other people, you'll automatically start to carry theirs. Forgiven much, love much. Forgiven little, love little. I've been given much. I've been given much. I will love much. Just close your eyes for a second this morning and let Jesus start to give you what he wants to give you. Let him pour into your life what he wants to pour into. He wants to reveal and heal some things in our lives. He wants to blow us away with a perspective, a fresh perspective on the cross and a fresh perspective on the finished work of Jesus. Man, he worked. He, he put a plan in place. And now we live in a dispensation, a time period where he says, I want to give it to you now. Would you have enough faith to believe, to receive what I want to do in your life? Christianity is not what you can do. Christianity is not a set of do's and don'ts. Christianity is letting Jesus Christ come in and do what only he can do. And by faith, we give him access and we say, Jesus, come and do what only you can do. Come and give me what only you can give me. I just want to receive what you want to do and what you want to give and what you want to speak and what you want to heal. Come on in. Come on in. Come on in. Get a fresh perspective. Get some fresh faith for what he wants to do in your life. We receive it this morning in Jesus' name. See, how we view Jesus determines how we view ourselves. If we view ourselves as being abused, ripped off, not hooked up by God or life, we will not love people. But when we are full 
of the gift of Jesus and full of the grace and full of having received what he's done, Jesus is saying, love will automatically flow out of that. Let's use, let's use modern terms for this. Love much, love little. Jesus is saying, if you constantly are critical of people, that's loving little. When you see people going through stuff, good or bad, when you've not been given much, when you've been ripped off, when you're in debt, you will look at people and you will automatically start to critique. Why? Because you're in debt. You've not been hooked up. You've not been blessed. You've been taken from. And so when you look at people, you tell them and you critique them according to what they're doing and not doing. And you start to tell them what they need to do and what they not need to do. You're critical of what they're doing. And so we become critical. Even the most loving of marriages or loving of churches, we can easily become critical of people and critical of families and critical of churches. And Jesus is saying, your criticism is revealing the lack of receiving what I want to give you. Because Jesus is saying, I wasn't critical. I was moved by compassion. When you start to receive what I want to do in your life, when you start to receive what I want to give you in your life, when you start to receive the free gift of grace and the free gift of mercy and love, when you start to get full of what Jesus wants to give you, you start to see people who need that same thing and you move by compassion. And you say, oh man, I can relate. I can relate. I've been there. I've been there, what you're going through. Oh my gosh, I circled that mountain for years. You're not moved by being critical. You're moved by compassion. He said, man, I can relate to that. Let me tell you, Jesus hooked me up. And he wants to hook you up. He wants to bless you. Let's stand this morning. We've got to close. And I want to sing this song. But I want us to, by faith, receive what only Jesus can give. And Jesus is saying, I want you to love like you've never loved. I want you to love your wife, your husband, your family, your kids, people in this church, people at work. But you need to know that love is going to come out of having received what I want to give to you. I want to bless you. I want to speak to you. I want to touch you. I want to love you. I want to heal you. I want to impart to you. I want to give to you. And when you have been forgiven much and given much, my love will start to flow out of that into other people's lives. Receive what only I can give.